Yeah, I don't know why that would start that. So we we are going to be having communion at the end of our service here. And Cecil, are you ready to rock and roll? All right, he's locked and loaded. Last time we had a list, uh, little miscommunique, and uh, this time we're under. Well, looks like Fred's ready, locked and ready to roll here. I don't even have to really kind of clue you in what's going on. But God's blessed us with incredible blessings. I'm telling you, I think we are, you know, he's done so much good work in our hearts and we've been able to grow and increase in the Lord in our own lives. And one of the things I think that we have to be reminded of is that God has blessed us to be a blessing. He is actually giving us all his wonderful blessings so that we can give them to others and they can be blessed also. It's just a great thing. You know, I was thinking about this. Uh, I have absolutely no desire to be world famous and have people, you know, I, I every once in a while I catch a story here or there, you know, some of these guys... You know, when you're so well-known, people just come up to you and they want your autograph. Is that you? Oh, you know, and fans chasing you around and people coming, trying to click your picture, do all this. I don't want any of that stuff. Who gives a rip? But I do want my life to matter. I do want my life to make an impact. I do want my life to stand for something that goes even beyond me. And so that's an important thing to me. And that's what I'm, I'm thinking. I want to leave a legacy that, that I've impacted people. Now, I know I have because some people have told me, oh, this, you've done this and this helped me and this. But you know what? Uh, I want to leave a legacy that's going to touch generations. And we can do that because we're in the Lord. And when we, if you think about this, when we touch one person, we touch many. So... I want to do that by being faithful to what God's called me to do. You know, we'll never know how many people we influence. It's That's the craziest thing. It's just amazing how many people you impact. You know, I was just thinking, um, you know, I've, I've worked with people over the years that don't know the Lord and all that kind of stuff, and then years later they'll look me up and start talking to me about something about the Lord and ask questions or do things because they saw something back then. See, our, our life is, we're a light that shines in the darkness, whether you know it or not. I'm always interested in that one passage of Scripture where it talks about, in Corinthians, it says where we're a, fr- a fragrant aroma, not only unto God but unto people. There's a fragrant aroma in us because of the Spirit of God that draws people to God, to us, and therefore to God, but there's also one that repels people. And you know how that goes. Just You have no reason. Somebody just hates your guts for no reason, and it's because of, of the Spirit of God in you. It's just something else. So some of us will never know how many people we impact. We'll never really get a glimpse of that, but I know our lives matter, and, and what we do can change and transform a life forever. I was thinking, you know, like a lot of times we think of like Rick Warren. If you want to look at him, he, 
You know, he sold this book called The Purpose Driven Life. He sold over 30 million copies. That was in 2007. That's the biggest stat I could find, the latest stat. So there's 11 more years, and we bought some more for us, (laughs) and we did it. But if you just think, 30 million people or more, because sometimes people borrow books out, they lend them out, and people read them, and multiple people, and it impacts families and begins to go, and pretty soon that increases. And sometimes we think, well, you know, I'm not that important. Who who am I and that I'm going to actually touch people's lives and make a difference to the generations? And, And it's true. Our lives do. We do make an impact. We do make a change. And so that's important to remember. I want to talk about the story of Abraham, and that's where blessed to be a blessing comes from, uh, because God's talking to him. So, while he's talking to Abraham, let's remember God's talking to us. (laughs) We're going to find some things out of this passage in uh, Genesis chapter 12. We're going to find some things that actually have to do with us and what God wants to do in our lives and through our lives. He's called us to be a blessing, and that's exciting. So, here we go. The story of Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, of course we know he changed his name to Abraham, Go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house to the land I will show you, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, we know we probably don't have the same call as Abraham, right? Because Abraham's the father of the faith, and we have that. There can only be one Abraham. But it says, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And what's meant by that ultimately is through Jesus Christ. He's God's, God's saying, I'm going to bless through your faithfulness, your trust in me, your belief in me. I'm going to bring someone who's going to actually impact the whole entire world. Now, that job is done it's taken care of right there there not another jesus coming he's coming a second time but not another jesus so that's already been done so we'll never be able to do that but i want to think of some of the things that took place in his life so god spoke to abram and he said i want you to go forth from your country he's saying i i have a decision for you to make i want you to separate yourself i want you to come out And he says, I want you to separate even from your relatives and from your father's house. And if you think about where this was located, he was in the land of Ur, and it was a a culture like almost every other culture at that time. It it had multiple gods and goddesses, you know, like like we see in the scripture. And they they, they worshiped idols. They did all these things. And God says, I'm calling you out of this land. I'm calling you out of this thing. And I'm going to show you a land. That's all he said. Isn't that interesting? To a land I will show you. That's all he said. I want you to come out. I'm going to show you a land. He didn't say anything about it. Didn't make any other promises. He just says, I'm going to show you a land. And then he says, I will make you a great nation. And of course, we know from the scriptures, he doesn't have any children. 
He's already 75 years old. So guess what? If, if, if we're almost there, we're not off the hook. Okay? I don't care how old we get. We're not off the hook. I will make, <laughs> I will make you a great nation, he says. And I will bless you. It doesn't mean you're going to have kids, okay? We're going to just forget that part. Um, but he says, I'm going to make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. So he's speaking these things. He has a plan for him. And then Abraham has to make a choice. He has to make a decision. Am I going to believe God? Am I going to step out in, into the unknown and do what God has said? Will I leave my family? Will I leave and do these things? And so what I want to look at is really six concepts that come out of this passage of Scripture that have to do with us. It has to do with Abraham, of course, but it has to do with us because it's, it parallels our life with God. So number one is this, is that blessings are received through obedience. We only receive the blessings when we obey. I was thinking about this. God never said anything. God didn't say, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you this land. He just said, I'm going to show you a land. It wasn't until Abraham actually left, traveled into the land, walked throughout the land, and looked it all over where God showed him. He, he went and he looked. He's up on this mountaintop, and God says, this is the land I am giving you. And he gives him the dimensions of the land. And so it wasn't until he was obedient that he got the promise of inheritance of the land. And then, you know, God does things in stages with us. He, he gives us a call. We step out into that call, and then he's going to see if we're going to be faithful to believe him in that. And then he adds to it. He expands it and increases it and actually gives us more uh, than we could ever want. He, he speaks to Abraham over a few different periods of time and explains just how things are going to be. So the first thing is, is that when anytime God asks us to do something, we're probably not going to have the whole plan, right? It's going to be through obedience, step by step, come out of the land. Okay, I'm coming out of the land. And so you remember what happened. He was in Ur Chaldees, then he ended up in another place called Haran, right? It was in a totally different location. Um, I don't know how many miles, 800, 1,200, whatever. It was a long way, and he was in another land. But that wasn't the land where the Lord was showing him. So when he's speaking him, he's already come out, but he has family members with him and all these kind of things. And so he says, come out. And so then he goes and separates himself and enters into the land. So obedience is required to receive the blessings of God. We have to have that. But you know what? It, this, this rises up in us. We've got to get rid of this when it comes to God because it's futile. Have you ever had a kid say, You're not the boss of me. Well, let me tell you, God's your boss whether you like it or not. You're not the boss of me. Well, you can do that. You can be like Saul kicking against the goads, you know. Why are you kicking against the goads, Jesus told him. Why are you doing that? Why are you resisting me? Why are you fighting me? Why are you standing against me? And God wants us to just absolutely move in obedience to him and be faithful because he's the one who's calling us into his fullness and into the blessings that we have. 
You see, the promise that God said for an inheritance in the land didn't come until he moved in, until he said yes to stage one. Of course, he didn't know it was stage one. God knows the stages of our life, right? Doesn't it talk about how God leads us, how he guides us? All we need to know is the next step. All we need to know is where he's taking us. All we need to do is follow and do what he asks us to do. And he'll help us along the way. And here's the whole thing about this too is because, you know, there's such a mentality nowadays that we earn stuff. It's kind of like, oh, I got to earn through good works. If I'm a good Christian, if I tithe, if I do, if I serve in the church, if I, if I do all these things that I think God wants me to do, if I read my Bible, if I do that and this and pray and all this stuff, then I kind of deserve it, God. Where are you? I prayed. Why aren't you answering me? Like we actually have something that we can earn or deserve. And what this is, is obedience just means I believe you. I'm trusting you. I'm taking the next step that you have for me. I'm doing what you want. And so there's this whole idea of understanding what obedience is. Obedience isn't legalism. Obedience means I trust. I believe. I believe. And we step out. How would you know if you believed? How would you know if Abraham believed? If he was still sitting in Haran, he didn't believe. It's real simple. If we don't do what God asks us to do, we don't believe him. We're not trusting him. We're not stepping out in the faith that he has for us. So obedience, all that proves is that our heart's saying yes. Yes to what God has. Yes to his plan. Yes to his purposes. So I've got to keep that in mind. Blessings are received through obedience. And the second thing is, is that God wants to bless you. 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 God has blessed you. God is blessing you. God will bless you. Bless, bless, bless. Bless, bless, bless. That's what God does. He's a blesser. He blesses us. And he gives us so many incredible things. So if you think about it, God's already proven himself. He doesn't really have to prove anymore, even though we ask him to and even though we like him to. You know, He doesn't have to prove it. He sent Jesus. That's the biggest blessing we could ever have in our whole life is for Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior to respond to him and to have all the blessings that he has. So God wants to bless you. And you know, these. I have some passages of Scripture that you guys have heard so many times. So many. Because I hit them over and over again. Because we've got to get these things in here, down to here. Because a lot of times we can know stuff, but we don't feel it. We don't feel it. Oh, I know God loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so, but I don't feel his love. That's why we need, in our hearts, we need to get our hearts actually touched and impacted to where we we really feel what he says, that God wants to bless you, that you are his child, that he does love you, that he rejoices over you, that God's happy with you, that God is calling you to himself because he just loves you and wants to be with you. Things like that where we struggle with those feelings, 
You know, we can know these things, but we need to know them in our hearts. And God does want to bless us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. It says we have every spiritual blessing. I think when we read this, it says in the heavenly places, so we think that maybe it's just reserved for the future. You know, it's just future things. Yeah, there are future blessings that we have, but we have every spiritual blessing, and these blessings are available to us now. And so then I always like to read the one from Second Peter chapter 1, because what it does, it talks about everything that, that we have for life and godliness. That means right here. We have everything that we need. And so Second Peter, um, oh, yeah, Second Peter 1, verses 3 and 4, says, seeing that his divine power, now remember, this is from God. These are blessings from God through his divine power. It's not anything that we do. Blessings are something that are bestowed. Blessings are given. They're not something that, that you can earn. It's something that's received. And a lot of times it's received through faith and belief. But it says, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, and this comes through a, a true knowledge. And I, I say a true knowledge because it's right here in the Scripture, but here's what I think with a true knowledge. Like I say, we can know verses in our head but not have a true knowledge in our heart. And, you know, that's part of the process because we're ha- having our minds renewed and we're transformed by that. As our minds are renewed, as we begin to believe his truth, as we begin to understand it and walk it out, then we begin to know it and experience it in the depths of our soul. And so there's a true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world by lust. So he says, I have these blessings that you can partake in the very nature of who I am. We can have his life. Isn't that what it talks about? He says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. It's his life. It's eternal life. It's life that's full. It's life that's complete. That's his heart and his desire for us because that's what he created man for. And so he wants to bless us. He has a specific plan also. That's the next thing that we have to think of. God had a specific plan in mind when he called Abram. He says, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how it's going to come about. And he had the whole thing under control. Remember, God knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. He, he recognizes all things. He knows what's going on. He knows what he plans to do, what he will do and how he will accomplish it. And so it's not, nothing surprises him. So he goes and he proclaims and he declares something to us. And he has a specific plan. You know Jeremiah 29.11, right? Everyone seems to know that uh, passage of Scripture. But um, before I read it, I want to, unless it's up there, I'm gonna, you can look at it if you want, but I'm, I'm going to give you some background. Jeremiah. 
He's a prophet at the time where where the southern kingdom has been so wicked and turned from God. They've been so wicked that they brought in idols into the very uh, temple. They brought in different idols, and they were worshiping idols. They 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 were all over. If you see if you see um, the book of Ezekiel, it talks about how God in a vision grabbed him, snatched him up, took him into the temple, and showed him all of these abominations from God's eyes. And because of their wickedness, God was going to destroy them and actually tra- destroy Jerusalem and actually bring them into captivity to Babylon. Now. You want to hear something so interesting that it's just hard to believe? So Babylon is coming. The king of Babylon is coming to bring judgment on them. And God tells them, I want you to submit to the king of Babylon. Just submit to him and things will go well. But they refused and they rebelled. So the king of, uh, the king of, did I say Israel? The king of, uh, I might have said something wrong. It sounds like there's something lingering in my brain that I said something wrong. King of Babylon, he came three different times and conquered Jerusalem because of their rebellions. But God said, no, you come under their authority because I'm bringing them there because of your disobedience. But they disobeyed God still. So they rebelled and and then finally, Nebuchadnezzar came in and said, that's it, I'm wiping this place out. He destroyed and annihilated the whole city, destroyed the temple. And so Jeremiah is talking to people who are just ultimately in a very short period of time, many of the people he's talking to are either going to be killed or they're going to be transported to Babylon because of their disobedience to God. And now this really makes this kind of a unique saying because it's, it's just, if you take it out of the context, it has wonderful meaning, but it even has more wonderful meaning. So God tells Jeremiah that there's going to be 70 years that they're going to be taken out and then God's going to bring them in. He's going to uh, bring, I don't think Jeremiah was the one that talked about Cyrus. I think it was Isaiah. But... Uh, God, see, God has the plan. He tells all these guys different pieces and parts of it. So he tells Jeremiah 70 years. So Daniel sees the 70 years and he begins to pray, right? And then they come back into the land. But listen to what he says. In 29.11 he says, For I know the plans that I have for you. See, you guys are in disobedience. You're running, you're doing all this stuff. But he says, I know the plans that I have for you. Declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. So he's saying that this this judgment is because of your sin, but I'm not cutting you off. I am going to... To, to keep coming after you, and you're going to come to me. And so there's this promise. And so Abraham doesn't have any of this stuff going on, but his descendants did. God has, has a specific plan, and he can take all the things. You know, when we mess up our lives and we think everything's hopeless and we're filled with despair, God can take us from that point and restore things. He has a plan, and he knows what what he can do. So he wanted to bless them, 
but they must come to him with all their heart. And that's really what they talked about. All right, now this is something I mentioned last week. I'm going to mention again because it's in this, this passage of Scripture. God wants to make you great. He talks to Abraham and he says, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make you great. We were watching this thing um, about the, called the Gates of Jerusalem. And uh, so it was just talking about the history of Jerusalem and all these things. And one of the things that they mentioned is Abraham, you know, he's, uh, he's like huge in Judaism, huge in Christianity, and actually huge in the Muslim religion. Everybody wants to claim him. Well, he's the father of faith. God, we're, we're talking about him right now. We're talking about his life. How many people that lived in Abram's day thousands and thousands of years ago do we even remember any of their names? But Abraham's talked about all over the place, constantly and continuously, because he's in the Scripture. God placed him there because he responded to God in faith and trust. God said, I'm going to make you great. Now, you know, he didn't really see super greatness in his own days, did he? I mean, he had 300 men working with him, or three or 400, I can't remember if it was three or four, whatever. That's quite a bit, you know, because he went, remember, when he rescued Lot and all that kind of stuff. So he had a big household. He had, a, you know, wealth um, as far as all the stuff that he had, and he, but God's talking about something even great. I'm going to make you, you great. I'm going to make your name great. Because he wanted to bless people. When you're exalted in the Lord, now you say, well, what do you mean? What's this exalted stuff? Doesn't it say it in the scripture? Humble yourself on the, under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due season. God wants to exalt us, not so we can say, look at me. You know, he doesn't do that for that reason. He exalts us for the purpose of drawing people to us. We have people exalted all over the place. They're, they're, called, they're, they're called actors and actresses. They're exalted in the eyes of people like, oh, you know. But God wants to make us great. So people are drawn to him. That's the whole purpose. Blessed to be a blessing. He wants to make us great. Can you handle that? That God wants to exalt you in the eyes of people so they'll be drawn to talk to you or to come to you? He wants to expand our area of influence even as a, I believe, as a congregation. He wants to make us great. But you know what? There's this false humility all the time. I can't be great. I'm just a scum. Man, let's, let's flush that one. Down the toilet where it belongs. we got to quit doing that. You know, we do it all the time. Well, you know, I'm talking about Jesus, and we're going to do this, and God's doing this great thing, God doing it. But I'm just a snivelly old weak sinner. You know, oh, it just irks me. People do it all the time. They make excuses. Anytime we call people to greatness, we say, oh, but, but we're just weak, but we're just this. 
Listen, God's called us out of darkness into his light, has made us children of God, has called us ambassadors of God. He has given us place and position, not so that we can stand and snivel and make excuses, but so that we can stand not in arrogance, not in pride, but in confidence in the Holy Ghost who lives within us and dwells within us to stand up and say, I am a child of God. I am walking after God. I do have a heart after God. I'm moving ahead in Him without having to tell 50 things why we're wrong. Oh, I did this and that and this. And Paul said, I put all that junk behind me. I put everything behind me, all the good, all the bad. If you think about it, he gives a list of good, and then he says, I put all things, not only the good, but the junk. we got to put stuff behind us and move ahead to who God's called us to be, to rise up in the full stature of who God is and not make any excuses about it. How do you stay humble? You stay humble before God. Because if he desires to exalt us, or exalt you individually, people will be drawn. God wants to make you great, so you can be a blessing. God wants your life to bless many around you. That's the next point. He wants to make you a great So you can bless those around. So that people can be blessed by your existence. It seems so hard to be humble when you're so awesome. (laughs) Well, you know what I mean? I think we struggle with humility understanding what it truly is you know when when it when it says moses was the meekest man on the earth he wasn't a wimp <laughs> he stood up to how many uprisings against him He stood up to the people and spoke the truth of God's word. He wasn't a wimp, a pansy, or as they used to say it in the old 70s, a mamby-pamby Christian. No. He was strong in the Lord. It says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We're to stand up, not to be self-righteous, but in his righteousness. You know, we stand up. And we got to get rid of the things that constantly plague us to tell us why we're not worthy to stand and we're not worthy to be called His because it's been finished. It's done. He's done it. And if He calls us and He says He wants to make us great, then I think we can feel okay with allowing that to happen. To say, Lord, make me great. 
Lord, make me great in the eyes of those that I work with. Make me great in the eyes of my friends and relatives. Make me great. Expand me. Increase me so that people will see and be drawn. And if you're humble, then guess what? It'll be great. I told you this story. You know, it did shock me. So I had a person that I work with um, in the bus garage, and one day we were, I was just walking in and we were talking because we were getting ready to punch in because you, you, know, you have a time clock thing and then you got to go get your bus and they're all in the same spot. So I went in there and, and she just mentioned something. She goes, you know, she says, you... Well, let me, I wrote it down. <laughs> she goes, you're more like Jesus than any other person I've ever met. And I just, I just blew my brains. You know why? Because I know me. My first thought is you're delusional. <laughs> what? Isn't it? Isn't that what we do? You're, you're delusional. Me? Like, No. No. No, don't you know what I did? Don't you know I yelled at my wife before I came here? Don't you know that I picked my nose or what? You know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, it's for a purpose. But you know what I'm saying? It's just like we come up with reasons why we're not what God's even called us to do, because what are, what's his goal? To be transformed from glory to glory into the image yes. of God, into the image of Christ. That's our goal. And so when someone says, oh no, not me. But we know our shortcomings, and we know the things that we struggle with, and then we use those things to say why we can't be what God says we are. we got to quit. We have to quit. That's this taking every thought captive thing. we got to slam some thinking. Take it captive. Prisoner of war. Oh, and by the way, God really does want to make you great, and I thought about this. We have this little song that we sing. It's so cute. The kids sing it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know, and we're thinking this, just this little cute little candle when God wants our hair on fire. He proved it. He proved it on the day of Pentecost. Cloven tongues of fire. He wants us to be a bright, shining light. Not just a light of mine. If you're thinking negative things, stop it. If you're thinking yeah buts, there's that yeah but thing. I said, Oh God wants you great, yeah but. Yeah, but this, yeah, but that, yeah, but this. I have never done that yeah, but sermon yet, have I? 
some year. God wants you to be a blessing to those around you. He's blessed you to bless others. Now, here's the one that might blow your brains out a little bit. God will expand your blessing from now through eternity. The blessing that comes through your life. Of course, it's his glory, it's his goodness, it's his life coming through us. We have to understand that. But you know what? We have to be able to say, I did something for Jesus. Not to earn my salvation, but I did something with what he, what he had. And if someone comes and says, thank you, you know, this is another false humility thing, and I used to do it all the time. I try not to do it anymore. But what we do is people go, oh, that was so awesome. You were wonderful. You preached a great sermon. You did this. You did that. Or, you know, you do something for somebody. Oh, don't worry about it. Just Jesus. Wasn't me. Really? Weren't you the one doing it? We do it all the time. Oh, yeah. no, no, I, I don't want to take any praise. Give it all to God. Well, you know, we can. why can't you say thank you to someone? Why can't someone come to you and just say, you know what, you bless me. And we just go, well, thank you. When you did this, this, this I, I'm, I'm just thankful for that. Why can't we just go, wonderful. We're not trying to steal glory from God. We're accepting a thank you. We're accepting a compliment. We're accepting words where people are trying to encourage us and just just let you know how much you've blessed them. But again, sometimes we go, ah, not me. You know, we, we just feel awkward. But God wants us to understand this. I know this. I've already said this, but I want to hit it again. You know, we'll never know the amount of people that we touched while we're here on earth. We just won't have any clue. Because a lot of them are secret. They never tell us. They never let us know. And that's okay. But we'll never know. But I want you to think about this. I, I, um, why I like to do pastor's conferences and why I like to go to conferences every once in a while, which actually we're going on, Suzette and I are leaving on Tuesday, and we're going down to Birmingham, Alabama, to There Is More. It's going to have um, Randy Clark and Heidi Baker and Todd White and, and uh, well, I can't remember what her name is, Vander Het or something like that. She's supposedly, uh, Randy Clark calls her the Heidi Baker of China because her and her husband went to China and they're doing insane things over there. Anyway, so all these people are there. The reason I like to go every once in a while is because we need to be touched by people. I know that when I go to a pastor's conference, if I minister in the power of the Holy Spirit, if I minister in his life and I touch a pastor's life, it's going to impact their whole congregation. And I know if my life's impact, it's going to impact the whole congregation for better or for worse, depending on what I'm (laughs) involved in, right? So I don't go say, oh, you know, i got to go and get recharged, do all this stuff. But there are things where we go where the Lord's moving so he can impact our hearts because we want to impact others. 
And so when we impact someone and we don't even know it, it changes people. Just think of who's, who's impacted your life. Just think about it. You know, you could even go home, maybe sometime just sit down and just write out some names and say, this is how this person touched my life. This is how this person impacted me. This is where my thinking changed or my heart changed. This person did this and it touched me. And when it changes you, it touches every, everyone you come in contact with. That's why I said we'll never know because of all the little things, all the things that we do or say. And so if you think about this, if I am, let, let, let's just, let's just uh, do it a simple way. All right, so I impact Vince. And God just shows him something or whatever, however I impact him. And so then Vince changes the way he thinks and does things, and so he starts treating other people differently. And so his, that influence that I influenced him with, he's influencing others, and then if they get it, they're going to start influencing others. And pretty soon, something that started with one little seed through Vince and I can actually literally touch thousands or even hundreds of thousands of people. We have no idea. It's kind of like they're talking about, you know, little leaven goes in there and moves throughout the whole lump. When we do this, when we're transformed, when we're changed, we begin to, to change the way that we interact and touch with people. And so there's this whole concept that I want us to know that we impact more people than we think. We really do. We really, really do. All right. So let me just make one quick application and say this, you know, Josh said this is a pivotal point, or I can't remember how you termed it. Defining Defining moment. But I'm just thinking of this. God blessed Abraham to be a blessing. God's been blessing us for so many years, pouring out his goodness upon us. And and I think... Um, that in the near future he's going to give us some opportunities to where we have a choice to make, whether we're going to participate and move ahead in the things that he wants to do so that we can be a blessing into this city. And I know that there are certain things. I know there are certain things. I don't know everything. You know, I don't have the full plan. Only God does. You have to take the next step, right? But I guarantee you, what I want to see, and even some of these things came out, I want to see new life rise up and be a place that offers healing. Not, not just so when people come like on Sunday mornings, but that we somehow figure out how we can, we can minister healing to this city and begin to do it because there are, you know, there are not a whole bunch of churches that, that truly believe in healing, but we, we have to stand for it because that's what God's called us to do. Someone said something about mental illness, and I, I, I think about mental illness. I think about post-traumatic stress. I think about some of the things that actually happen in people's lives where they need deliverance, and if, if they go other places, they're not going to get it because they don't believe it. They don't exercise it. They don't stand in it. And he's given us a place and an authority. And so I th- it, it's, it's just it's time for us to, to move out, and I don't know how, but we're going to talk about it at some point here soon. We got to. We got to. 
We can't just be a bless me club. We can't. As much as I love everyone here, we can't just be, it's us. We got to do something to offer the life of Jesus Christ to hurt, wounded people who need healing and deliverance to see the salvation of God. So we're going to figure that out. We're going to start making steps, and all we can do is take the first step, right? Abram, come out. Okay, you'll show me a land? All right, here I come. And off he goes. We're just going to go, okay, and figure it out. Take one step at a time and see what the Lord will do. Now I'm going to give you a blessing and then Cecil's going to come and lead us in communion. I like this one. May your light shine brightly in the darkness. May the Lord open your eyes to see how many people you touch with your life. May he give you insight into the little things that you can do to bless those around you. May God make you great and increase your area of influence. And may those who have blessed you, or you have blessed, come back to bless you. So receive that in the name of Jesus. And my friend, please come.